Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Every chance I get, I'm like, what do I look like right now? Oh, oh no. I'm Alex Higley. And I'm Lindsay Hunter. And, and I'm, I'm a writer, writer but... Welcome to I'm a Writer, but today we have Liv Stratman. Liv earned her MFA from the University of Wisconsin-Madison. Her writing has appeared in the Boston Review, Witness, and the Cincinnati Review. She worked for many years in a bakery and as a bookseller, and Cheat Day is her first novel. She lives in Brooklyn. Welcome, Liv. Welcome. Thanks so much for having me. It's a lie. I don't live in Brooklyn anymore. <gasps> I am. Wow. I live. I'm a. I'm a suburbanite. I live in Long Island. Uh, I highly recommend everyone in New York City get out at least for a little while. So yeah, but, but my husband, true. <laughs> my husband's obsessed with Staten Island. Um, okay. so like he, he's long wondered why everyone doesn't just move out to Staten Island. So I think uh, he'll be happy like, to he hear like, that he you, like, he like loves cops. Which is <laughs> <laughs> oh man. He does love cops. Ben loves cops. cops. Yeah. Yeah. He later, he, about him. When he comes down, he'll be like blue lives matter. Yeah. Fly flag. Like all my neighbors out here in Long Island. um well welcome from long island and um we want to hear you read to us yeah for sure i'm gonna read just a few pages from the beginning of my novel chitai so this is uh needs no introduction that way um so chapter one we started the radiant regimen on valentine's day i decided to cook a nice dinner leg of lamb and a salad with roasted acorn squash and walnuts and some lemony dressing. Why don't you use that couscous my mom gave you? David asked. He was keeping me company, trying to catch up on his endless work emails. We spoke to each other from across the kitchen island, the messy surface where we looked at our devices and scattered our junk mail and lost our keys and ate our meals. All you have to do is boil it. I know how to make couscous, I told him, but weed is off limits with the new program. Our apartment was filled with the meal's woody aroma, clove and paprika and the roasting flesh of a small, tender animal's hindquarters. Oven heat fogged David's glasses when he looked up from his laptop screen. Woogie, our large temperamental cat, perched on a step stool between the small kitchen and the dining room, which we never used. 
Woogie observed us always as though watching a TV series he didn't much like anymore, but felt the need to see through to the finale. He was a very fluffy creature with long, soft orange fur and walrus whiskers. His appearance was far less serious than his personality, a fact I always felt a little sad about on his behalf. We sometimes joked that he was cursed, an old Norse wizard trapped in a cat's body. His ridiculous tail swooshed behind him with disinterest, pendulum-like, while he looked at me, his eyes almost closed, as though David and I were boring him to sleep. Taking the big knife from the block, I leaned over the cutting board next to the stove and put my full strength into chopping a tough, misshapen squash. Remind me the rules for this diet, David stopped himself. This program again? I forget. I wiped my hands with a dish towel before passing him the hardcover copy of Way to Glow, your, your guide to complete wellness through the Radiant Regimen. David pursed his lips as though he might complain, exaggerating the book's heft as he set it down next to his laptop. Please don't lose my page, I said as he began to examine the introduction of the book titled, So What Can You Eat on the Radiant Regimen? This is intense, he said, frowning, really strict. Look at the benefits first, I said, not just the rules. Look at Diana Spargel's story. Disco, David said, turning the book over and tapping the photo of Diana Spargel, inventor and lead spokeswoman of the Radiant Regimen and author of Way to Glow, along with two best-selling companion books, Glow on the Go and Glow Up, Aging Gracefully with Healing Foods on the Back Jacket. You lost my page. I told him, and don't say gal. I'll stop there. Thank you so much. Yeah. I, I um, absolutely loved this book for many reasons. One of the reasons is that I myself have obsessed over food and body my whole life, as I'm sure many women and men have. Um, and one of the things I loved about it was how exhausting yeah. it is. And how you didn't shy away from that. You, you know, it's always on her mind and every interaction is um, wanting food and depriving herself of food. And, <clears throat> and because of that, there's this amazing moment where like she's kissing, spoiler alert, she, uh, there's it a, says on the back jacket. Yeah, it's yeah. fine. It's, it's, called, it's also called cheat day. Like so obnoxiously to let everyone know. Can I tell you, my husband was like, yeah, so she cheats in it. And I was like, oh, because <laughs> that's how much I'm obsessed with food. I was just like, it's all yeah. about the food. And then I was like, yeah. oh, yeah, 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 yeah. The cheating. Right, right, right. Anyway, right. where cheating, who gives a shit? That's kind of how I feel, too. But right. I know because yeah. there's a moment where she's kissing him and it and it feels so good to her to hunger for something and to mm -hmm. give it to herself. Mm -hmm. It filled her in a different way than food, a safer way, which is wild because how is having an affair safe? Right. But she, right. and at work, right. She's having yes. an affair specifically at work. Right. Which is like the dumbest, the dumbest thing you could do if you're going to have an affair. Right. <laughs> yes. Um, I found that so poignant and so heartbreaking and so fucking true. Like how, how did you keep that consistent as you were writing? How did you stay I, in her headspace? You know, well, it's funny. Like I, Lindsay, I think some of our work really is in conversation, right? Like mm -hmm. I think like you, you probably, you probably know the answer to this, which like, this is not an autobiographical novel, mm -hmm. um, but it is definitely the type of novel where like that, like 
those, those terrible impulses, like there's, there'd be no way for me to be like, you know, I just thought about what it would be like for someone who's a compulsive diet. Like I, I'm very, <laughs> I very clearly have lived this life. And if I were to, if I were to try and, cause it's hard, you know, you don't want to say, you don't want to say anything about yourself. Cause then everyone's like, Oh, it's you. Like, no, no, no. I, I totally no, I get that. Course, I totally get but that. But of course there's no, no, of course you do. You're a woman who writes fiction. So, but the, <laughs> but the, there's no way for me to deny that like they like the impulse that kit the main character and she say feels is something that is like very present in my own life even yeah. after writing a book that like so satirizes this and so like like almost polemically points out like what bullshit it is I still you know I like I'll look at a glass of wine and be like oh five points do I have it even though I'm not on Weight Watchers because I know not to be because I know it's bad and that it's toxic blah 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 you know so I know all of that keeping all of that in the book was really easy because that is so for so many American women especially like older millennials I think and like Gen X people it's just so baked in to like how you think. Right. And like, every time you eat a bagel, it's a fucking crime. You oh know? my God, it is. So, it like, absolutely yeah. is. And I There's... Like, lived, yeah. It's, so I lived that in the space of working in a bakery for years and years. And mm-hmm. so like, I'm not kid. I don't have like, I mean, I, I kind of wish I was cause like she inherited an apartment and like now I'm out in long Island. So, <laughs> but, but like, I definitely like, that's definitely all something I'd always wanted to write about and just didn't have, like, I don't have the guts to write like nonfiction about that. So it went into, it went into this book um, in like, in the, in the like endless quest, right. For like what a debut novelist was to be about. Right. No one thinks they're, no one thinks they're doing it right. Because like at that point it could be fucking anything, you know, (laughs) (laughs) which is the hardest part of, of, you know, putting a book out in the world. I think Kit's awareness too of how everyone is reacting to her, you know, different programs that she's on, different approaches to eating that she's using over a span of years and her consciousness of it being, you know, a feeling like a wet blanket. There's a paragraph in there where she talks about, you know, feeling like she has like a wet blanket quality to her personality. And it was just so devastating to think about being being tolerated by family members people that she genuinely loves and feels real warmth to and how even like in the throes of an affair it dictates the nature of her interactions with this person that Mm -hmm. she's fucking it's unbelievable Mm -hmm. the way that's the only thing she won't give up yeah right it's just unbelievable i i think that that self-awareness throughout was the thing that i found so heartbreaking about the book just because I think, you know, even as someone who maybe hasn't had a lot of the same issues, just an awareness of the way these things kind of mutate. I mean, now I guess what there's Noom, like what's the difference yeah. between Noom and all the rest of it, but yeah, just her, her self-awareness. Noom doesn't God. have a bad reputation yet. I think is the difference is it seems mm. to be exactly the same as we were. Right. It's the same stuff, right? <laughs> yeah, same shit. Yeah. It's all the same. Did you? Yeah. yeah there was some like non-toxic way i don't mean non-toxic like it doesn't have any plastic in it i mean like in the the buzzword of toxicity mm-hmm. like if there was some healthy way to be on a diet we would have figured it out it's always mm-hmm. the same shit you know did um, you is that the ad that goes you may not be aware of this but your weight <laughs> is not your fault is I that new i don't know that's probably, a good one though could we start a company probably yeah every I know, time right? i hear that i'm like wait 
my weight is not my fault. What? You know, like it, and it, like, it's what like, does it mean? yeah, it's like soothing, but it's also fucked up, you know? But it's and also it's, like assuming that you feel horrible about, right. yes. about whatever you weigh, like yes. no matter what size you are. I mean, I mean, I'm sure my Instagram ads know that I'm like kind of fat, but like, it's not because of the shit I look at. Right. But like, and my endless quest to not, to like not be kind of fat, even though like I'm, I'm pretty happy, you know, but I know. Like, and yeah. Kit, Kit says the same thing, you know, like she, when she wasn't hungry, she felt this way and she feels this way when she's hungry. And it, and it's, and it's so fucking true. It's, you know, like, yeah. And she's I, so self-loathing and she knows she's right to hate it about herself. And she knows that everybody around her is right to hate it about her. And she's still won't stop fucking doing it, you know? Yeah. And because it's like the thing she can diet. control. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 And another thing I thought that worked just beautifully in the book is, you know, we know she's on this program we're not allowed to call it a diet but it's um she's on well, this we program we can call it a diet right yeah god damn it <laughs> Kit, you're on a diet, diet. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um and it sounds like okay fine she's eating like lean proteins and she's eating mm. you know greens and whatever like good that sounds good but then slowly like the more people react to how she looks you start to mm-hmm. understand like, right oh shit she is starving herself and there's like her sister's like go home what did you eat and and she oh. admits to herself that she ate half a banana all day Um, and and it's so, it's so true in my experience that there's nothing louder than your own self-loathing. And, and even though she's Mm. told again and again, how much her sister and Angelo love her and how much the staff loves her, how great she is at her job, you know, how beautiful she is. There's nothing louder than, than that in her head. And, and, and so that's what we get. And then we get these people reacting to what she looks like and, and the changes in her body. And it's, it culminates with, you know, her being sent home and and everything after that. But, um, I, I just, I, I thought that was such a great trick that you not trick, but such a, such a great way that you wrote that to, to sort of never let her acknowledge it, even though she touches her ribs a lot to comfort herself. Um, just the fact that the people in her life are like, wait, (laughs) you look terrible. You are starving yourself, you know? Yeah. And there was in editing, there were times like there's, um, there's this, I don't know if you remember, there's a scene in a bar where she's in a bar with her coworker and with the guy she's having an affair with Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. in that, in that scene, when the book sold, he calls her anorexic in the height of that fight. (gasps) My editor said, you know, we have to take it out because you have to let the, you have to let the reader diagnose her, right? You Mm. have to let, you can't like any clinical language will kind of ruin the point, which is that society's fine with these disorders. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and I think she was right, you know, like, so there was like, there was this interesting play because right. So many, so many people who now there's this term that like I just read this it's like it's I guess it's I don't know if it's orthorexia or huh. but it's the it's people who are who have this disorder of wanting to be healthy right it's essentially mm. a, a form of obsessive compulsive disorder mm-hmm. and like you know I take issue with the like the idea that everything is a disorder or whatever but I do I did think like well, this is interesting because really it's, I mean, I'm not a clinician, but it really seems like this move, right? Where you start being obsessed with being healthy, but eventually it's just a gateway. This is just starvation or bulimia or something really fucked up, you know? Yeah, and you can hide behind it. It's like that great moment in Sideways, 
you know, like the whole movie sideways oh, or book yeah. is, is about yeah. him being at this wine connoisseur. And, and mm-hmm. toward the end, his friend is like, no, you're just a drunk. You're a drunk. Yeah, <laughs> you know? that was totally the same. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Has it been overwhelming to get people responding to the book on such an intensely personal level? I mean, I think without, yeah. I mean, it just seems like because yeah. of the subject matter, you and you do such a great i mean the book is structured beautifully it's incredibly well written but there's something so immediate about the actual content uh you know that kit is really dealing with throughout and i just feel like it's it's hard to even begin talking about it without people really bringing themselves to you when they're discussing this book like i just did yeah but i mean <laughs> but you know what i mean I yes mean, absolutely well it's interesting you if you want to see like a preponderance of confused angry people you could look at goodreads right i mean don't because it's a horrible website um but yeah. but like <laughs> if you look at my goodreads reviews so and i do think that you know i to, not to get away from like craft which is interesting into like business which is irrelevant in so many ways and the more you know the, the worse off you are in a lot of ways if, especially if you're like listening to this and you're you know you haven't published a book yet um but it, it, I think a lot of it also has to do with the way the book was packaged and the way the book was marketed. Mm-hmm. Um, because I see myself very much in conversation with characters like, um, like you know, um, the, the unnamed narrator of my year of rest and relaxation or, right. you know, somebody in a Laurie Moore story or a Halle Butler story, somebody who's right. just really, really <gasps> unlikable. Halle Butler. The, oh. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. and who I love and who mm-hmm. I like, you know, read while I was, you know, drafting this book and, um, I see myself like the, I see my work in conversation with those books, but it wasn't packaged that way. And I think a big part of how I perceived the book and the intensity I felt is that a lot of people thought this book was a romantic comedy when they bought it. <laughs> yeah. And that sucks for them. Yeah. <laughs> that really sucks. And so the, a big thing I've dealt with is people thinking the book would be lighter or the book mm. would be more, more about, um, or there would be a you know a heroine you know because like women's fiction often it's there's not an anti-hero and there's there's certainly not like a like kind of a villain at the center right like mm-hmm. kid is such is such she's an enemy of everyone she knows and she's her own worst enemy and she's she just makes a lot of bad choices and I think you know as much as I I want readers to identify with her I don't give a shit about that whole likability thing and I definitely don't give a shit about that whole relatability thing and I think those are moves that like have to do with something that is not my book and I mm. so that's been really I think that I definitely wasn't ready for the fact that a huge audience that, that I ended up having for the book was not my audience mm. and, and that my audience is a much smaller audience than I think maybe my press hoped you know which like mm-hmm. that's a compliment right um but it's it's definitely a big thing I've dealt with is definitely people coming right up to me to tell me how, what a horrible time they had reading my book not because oh it's a bad book yeah this is real and you know I work in a bookshop so I actually hear this right to my face from strangers oh <laughs> um, my god but I also you know but I also hear it you know like I also hear it from like my like you know from like some lady at a baby shower in South Brooklyn where I'm from and where you know where, where people will tell you what they think um and so but like that like a thing I've really dealt with is how is the fact that there's no like there's no gray space for a lot of people with Kit. Like Kit 
she brings out really strong feelings for people. Mm. She definitely did for me, you know, Mm -hmm. but she brings out really strong feelings for people. And sometimes people really want me to answer for why I would want them to read this book. Mm. I hate hate that. Yeah, it really sucks, man. (laughs) I gotta be honest, it really sucks. But I do think that's been, that's been like really informative for me because like one thing I could tell you guys is like, if I had to do it over knowing how it would be marketed and, and what people would say in light of that, I wouldn't write a different book. I would write this fucking book. I love, you know, like this is what I wanted to write and that I had to write. And so um, I definitely wish I'd pushed harder for the cover to be Goya's Saturn devours his son, which is what I, which is what I thought, wouldn't that be great? And then when I called it cheat day, I'm just such an idiot that I didn't think like, Oh, they're going to, they're going to think about all the ways they could get this into Walmart or whatever, which, you know, not only did not happen fine, but also, but also like, it's just not, it's a misrepresentation. Right. So I tell people that that hardback cover um, started the California wildfires. <laughs> Those are the fucking colors, right? Cause it looks like a gender reveal some, you know, Oh God. Um, but that's, and so I do think like a lot, it's so funny how I, I don't know if I can even answer your question, Alex, like, honestly, because I feel like so much of what people come to me with has to do also with their expectations in how yeah. the book was kind of sold to them, if that makes sense. But it it's so, un, you know what, anyone who has read the first chapter, uh, it's unfair for them to approach you in that way, because the first chapter pulls zero punches. You understand that you're you're in the hands of a storyteller. You're You're completely framing everything that's coming in a way that is deft and is completely in line with the names that you had mentioned as far as you know some of your writing heroes and so for them to (laughs) for them to read that first chapter and think that it's going to be some kind of like la-di-da whatever is a joke I that's an absolute joke it's one yeah it's funny too because one of the things that I um like I really that I really like thought about in like in editing right was like how do I let the, like, how do I let the reader know what this book is, you know, um, yeah, and this right. book is a bad, it's a bad time, <laughs> but yeah. it's, you know, I also think though that um, this is a book for people who have been married or in a very long relationship and that totally. it's totally, huh. and that, yeah. yeah. And like my younger readers are definitely like, for them, there's like a lot more morality in it. Whereas like anybody's oh, so been, interesting. Yeah. Whereas anybody. And I think that's also that like, um, I get away with people thinking I'm really young. Cause I actually am mature on the internet and stuff, but like, <laughs> I, you know, I'm pushing 40. And so I'll have like, you know, all like a 25 year old want to talk to me about like the morality of this. And I'll be like, well, come back when like, even, <laughs> you know, and even like living with somebody, you know, <laughs> Oh my God. <laughs> no. And I, I, one of the things I admire so much about the book is it's almost like anti-resolution, you know, Mm -hmm. like there's not like the, and I learned to love my body and I learned to love my husband and, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's, it's more like I am accepting of where I am right now in this moment. And I am accepting that that might change in the next moment. Um, And I think like, just, just based on what you were saying, you know, a moment ago and, and kind of the similar thing happened to me with my last novel, eat only when you're hungry, people wanted right. to know why they had to read a book about someone who hated himself, hated his mm-hmm. own body so much. And why, why there wasn't redemption in that sense. And, or, you know, like why, <clears throat> like why, like he didn't change, you know? And, and I think like, well, you were, you were reading, you were trying to read a different book than what I was writing. And it's the yeah. same with this, you know, it's, it's, what happens in the end is that she 
she chooses the life that she has and she chooses it fully. Mm -hmm. Um, and I found that so, and it's exactly what you're saying. It's if you have not been in a relationship, you know, Mm -hmm. for a long time, that might seem so like a letdown, or it might even seem like a, like a cop-out, but it's not, it's, it's actually like quite ballsy, especially in terms of a narrative, Mm -hmm. um, decision. So I don't know. I, it's so funny because I'm reading it from the perspective of someone who's going to be 42 this year. And I've been with my husband for 20 years <laughs> and, right. and I'm like, oh, you know, like the, all of these things are speaking to me, but I can see if you had different expectations going into it based on the cover, which I also really love and found delightfully ironic, even before yeah. I read the book, even well, before that's I read how the they book. sold me on it is they were like, it's so sardonic, and I, but I didn't. Yeah. And I think you're right. I think, yeah, I think you're right. It's interesting. I was thinking before this, I hadn't read Eat Only When You're Hungry until after my edits were in for cheat day, but I was thinking like, wouldn't it be great for like Greg and Kit to like, just meet at an airport bar <laughs> and be like, and just like, and just Kit be like, what state are we in that they don't have to put the calories on the drinks on the menu or some shit, you know, and how they could talk. <laughs> oh <know>? my God. <laughs> yes. Cause you know, in my mind, Greg ha- has been sort of traveling around the country yeah. for years now. <laughs> so he could definitely be <laughs> in some airport bar or some truck stop. <laughs> truck stop makes more sense, but yeah. Like, <laughs> Let's make it happen. I don't know how we get Kit there. She can't drive, but I know what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> she hitched a ride. She right. hitched a ride with Greg. Oh my God. This is part two. <laughs> right? You um, can tell people now whenever they ask if you're going to write a follow-up because they want to know what happens. Like, oh, well, like, let's try it and I are going to Yeah. You know, like every once in a while, like uh, a friend of mine wants to turn it into like a TV show and mm-hmm. that could be it. Yeah. Cause that's one of the problems yeah. we have is like, there's only really one character and we need more characters right. for it to right. be a TV show. So there you go, Kit. There, there Yay. You and then they just do horrible, like make horrible choices. They just binge and then they punish themselves. Mm-hmm. That to me is extremely relatable. Yeah. <laughs> so fuck you. Goodreads. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, for so many reasons, but yeah. Yes. yes. Why is your website so ugly? I know. Like they stopped designing it in like 2006 or something. And it's. And- Amazon owns it and so I thought I mean Amazon's ugly too but like it's just so funny that like with all that firepower uh, yeah rocket ship money that you couldn't throw some at Goodreads looks like shit takes forever to load (laughs) um you know what I found to be the ultimate power move with your cover is that Emma Straub who's awesome hi Emma her blurb is on the front but Lori Moore's is on the back (laughs) <laughs> that's funny right I yeah so you know I worked for Emma at Books Your Magic for years oh I did not know so that that's why yeah so I think they really wanted and our names are right next to one another so my books oh are my next gosh. to Emma's yeah in the um but when this book sold I was working at Books Your Magic oh um, yeah so um it was actually it actually sold on our I think it was the two-year anniversary I worked there so from the beginning of when it opened and then oh, I whoa. Yes, but but I think that like the Emma Emma's blurb going on the front has to has to do with the fact that she were um, closer connected, and then we were both Lori's students at different times. You know, I was going to ask you about that because I know she studied there and you were at Wisconsin Madison. Yeah, so. and that's I think that's how she that's probably why she agreed to give me a job. You know, I didn't have any book selling experience at the time. I had a food service background, still do, still work in a bar in the East Village three days a week. Um, it's got a bookshop in it, which is really fun, but I, yeah, it's the best. Um, 
that I, you know, and I, when I applied, I definitely like sold myself on being like from, from the program that she had gone to. So hell yeah. 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 <laughs> so that's my one, that's my nepotism is that I went to a, did I have an MFA? <laughs> what is it like studying with Lori Moore? Lori? Um, I mean, it's a hoot. Um, she, Emma, you know, Emma would be able to tell you more. They, they like had a closer relationship. I was really intimidated. Yeah. Um, I would be by too. Lori. Yeah. I was really, I got there and I was like, you know, like, I didn't really understand what an MFA was. I <laughs> It's like, you know, I was, I think I was 28 when I started the MFA. I didn't really understand what it was. I got there. I had gone, you know, to like a, you know, very unfancy, you know, public college. And I got to Madison and if they take like six people a year and it's every other year, they don't even take. And I, you know, and I didn't, yeah. So I didn't know about MFA culture that like, you're going to be around a lot of like people from like the Ivy league and stuff like that, you know? So like in my class there, (laughs) there was one other person who'd gone to like a state to a public college. And then I think my not to put them on blast, they're wonderful people, but like, I think it was Columbia, Yale, uh, Princeton, oh my God. Duke, Duke, and <gasps> so these are the, these are the, of the, these are the colleges that people that I was with were with, and so I was just like, I was with all these people who I thought must be geniuses, because at the time I thought that you were a genius if you went to a school like that, and then I also... <laughs> Which I now, which I, this has nothing to do with my MFA class, but which I now know is not for us. Um, it's all about, just like, it's all about nepotism. Like, well, yeah. And just like, just like, you know, serving coffee and beer in a, in a bar right next to the NYU dorms. I could tell you um, that so many idiots go to those schools <laughs> <laughs> um, and they're horrible tippers. But I also like, I, so I was really intimidated by that. And like Lori Moore, she's my favorite writer. So it was like being in a room with, you know, like, just like, a, like, I don't know. It was probably the way I would have felt like, you know, 15 years earlier about like an audience with like Jonathan Taylor Thomas or whatever. <laughs> horrible. You know what I mean? Like I was so, I like, I can feel the armpit sweat coming now. Yeah. Like, yeah. 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 About, thinking about her walking into the room. And so I never, my experience of having her as a teacher was my experience of being around what I thought was a huge celebrity, you know, (laughs) and so I don't, you know, like, so what I can say about, about being around her is that like, she, uh, was very, was very aware of how nervous I was. And I think like, maybe was like, was, I don't know, but I kind of wonder if she was like, keep me away from this stalker kind of thing. (laughs) (laughs) Never gave me her, she never gave me her email. So she gave me, she, I, she gave me her <laughs> phone number because she could tell I was the type of person who would never call her because oh. I would be too freaked out. So like, I never, like, we were supposed to have two meetings with her this semester. I like, can't believe she passed me. I didn't do anything where I had to interact with her because I was so sure I would make a fool of myself, which is oh funny God. now. It's like funny now because like exactly 10 years later, I, all I do is make a fool of myself. I don't give a shit, you know, but like at the time it just felt like, I just, I was not prepared, you know? And so what's funny about like my whole MFA experience is that I ended up taking, you can take there as part of the MFA, there's no, um, it's all studio. Is that mm. right? What they say? Mm. And so it was all, so you took your workshop and your thesis hours, and then you just had to take one other elective at the graduate level. Wow. 
Jesus. Well, I ended up taking all these art classes with Linda Berry, who was visiting <gasps> the there. Fuck? Oh, yeah. Oh and my I God. Didn't know, and listen to this, you guys. I didn't know anything about graphic novels, so I didn't know. But and did so you read Cruddy? I didn't read any of it until afterward. Oh and I went in there being like, who's this weird hippie lady? And <laughs> I got really attached to her and she mentored me. And it took me forever to realize why the art students were acting the way I was acting in the right. class. Oh and, I had, and I had no fucking idea. And then, <laughs> and then um, I'm like, I'm talking to like one of my advisors to Sean Bishop, who's, he's not an advisor that he's the um, program coordinator, he's a poet. And he was like, so are you in the cult of Linda now? And I was like, what are you talking about? Like, she's, you know, she's, <laughs> and, and he was like, you're such a Kool-Aid drinker, blah, blah, blah. And I, I like realized like slowly, like, oh, <laughs> this person's more famous than Lori Moore. <laughs> but I didn't know, you know? And so, oh. yeah. And like, li- like Linda Berry like changed my life and it never would have happened if I had had any idea like what it meant that I was like sitting in a room drawing cartoons with Linda Berry. I literally just thought she was like some <laughs> wacky art teacher community service lady oh my god that is they the had, best isn't it funny oh i love it yeah. do you still talk to her i i write so she's i do but like i write her i send her like um stuff to her p.o box in wisconsin oh my god <laughs> if I, because now that i know i'm now i'm afraid to engage yeah which is so <laughs> funny <laughs> I've only ever heard how wonderful she is. She's amazing. And like she did, you know, she did a thing for for Syllabus, which was her latest book. And it's about teaching. And like in the book, there's a cartoon I drew. <gasps> oh, my God. Because like she just took work from her students and stuff. And I, you get this is, so, I still, I like the book was, the book was done. It was an event done at an offsite space with um Chris Ware was the conversation Whoa. partner. Oh, and, my God. You guys, you guys, so, and it was through, because it's New York, you know, so you get to see anybody you want to see. But so I, I buy the tickets, like it comes with the book, the book's signed. I don't have the guts to get in line <gasps> and wait and say hello to her. And I fucking leave. What? <laughs> and my picture is on page 52 of syllabus. <laughs> a pa- like, a, like a little, so she had us for attendance every day. She had us draw a self-portrait. And oh it was different gosh. every day. Um, and so she had one of mine in there. Oh and I, I and I still didn't have the guts. I was like, I'll be bothering her. Oh, <laughs> I didn't do it. It's not a sad thing about me. But it's, it's not. So, it's so it's so relatable. Yeah, yeah it's not because, sad. It's uh, and the fact that you're sharing it's the best. Well, because she won't hear this. And like if I were to get on, if I were to get on that line and say even the slightestly, like the slightest awkward thing that's that's the next six months of my life thinking about that you know? I, I can't like I, every time I've had a book signed by someone I say something so stupid I got a book oh, signed by Kathleen Rooney who is my friend I was just saying that's your buddy what are you I got in line she saw and I think I even read at her event and she signed the book and she was like hey a bunch of us we're gonna go like down the street get a drink or something and I go um I just want you to sign my book <laughs> And then you're like, oh, was that rude? Oh my God, was it rude? I, have to think I don't it know. Now. <laughs> I don't know where it came from. I don't know what's wrong with me. I, so I think you did the right nothing, thing. Nothing. You did the right it's, thing. <laughs> thank you. It, but it's like, it's true that I did say, like, even though I could be like, oh, I should have said hello. Like, 
I'm what you know, I'm one of like probably 150 people who like who she, whose life she mm-hmm. changed. You know what I mean? And yeah. at the end of the day, I still think I was right not to bother her with I, my raw emotion and love for her, you know. I'm telling you, like you would have got up there and been like, I just got my period or something, exactly, you know, like exactly. it would just have flown from or your just, lips. Like, vomited, you know, yeah. like <laughs> yeah. But that's so but my time my time in, in my MFA was a lot of it was like and I didn't, I like, I would draw because she made us draw and really wanted us to draw. But like the way she taught me to write was so awesome. And so I spent my whole MFA kind of thinking, like really working with her ideas in my, in my fiction. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Cause she draws everything. Cause that's what she said about cruddy is she painted mm-hmm. it first. And then she wrote from that. Yeah. Even now she doesn't work on, she doesn't work on a tablet. She does everything and scans it in. Oh my gosh. I know. It must be infuriating on some level for her. (laughs) Oh my God. I I follow her on Instagram. She posts fairly regularly on Instagram. Yeah. I don't know if that's her, but I definitely, I I, I think that she, cause she's at Wisconsin full-time as a professor now. She was visiting at the time I was there, but now, and I wonder if she gets us like a a TA who does that for her. Probably, probably. Yeah. Like imagining her like sitting on an iPhone. (laughs) It's like so like to sit and look at your iPhone is such an undignified thing. And she's like such an artist that I just yeah. feel like it's, it's there's no way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're right. Somebody definitely does that for her. <laughs> I guess I better stop DMing that person. Right. Right. I'll give you I'll give you her P.O. box after this. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, you mentioned recently you're taking a, a social media break. Um, Alex and I were talking last week, how great you are. You're so funny and wonderful on there. Oh, um, I heard that. Thank you. You're I welcome. love Kara. I was really, I love that episode. Kara's a genius. Oh, so. she's yes. great. Yeah. I love yeah. Um, yeah. But you're too. working on a second novel. Mm-hmm. How's that going? Oh, you know, it's as well as my social media break. I don't know if you guys saw my fire tweet about Dr. Bronner's chocolate today. <laughs> um, <laughs> It definitely tastes like soap. I don't know why they would make chocolate. No one's going to want it. So it's going okay. I'm, I'm using my Linda Berry method. There's a, there's a, uh, I'll send it to you guys. If you want to, if you have show notes, you want to link it to you. There's a Linda Berry has a way to break through when you're having a problem writing. And so I've been writing every scene in this book using this method. Oh, oh, awesome. And I, and every day that I sit down and write, I watch the YouTube video. <laughs> oh, so I'm it. just, isn't this crazy? So I'm just like with her, you know, like doing and writing this book, but yeah, I'm, 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 uh, almost done with a really messy draft. Amazing. Yeah, but I, yeah, but I'm someone who like it all happens in revision. You know, it'll be you know I won't have a book to go. I won't have a book to go out on submission for three or four years. Mm. Um, just being realistic with myself and and with the fact that I love this part and I don't want to go to the part where you have to uh, you know think about the colors of your cover and any anything. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I like this is the good part. This is the mm-hmm. this is the only reason you put the book out is to get to do it again. You know? Yes. Yeah, it's so fun to be in it when you're actually yeah. in it and you feel like something's coming together. That is the best. It's the best, especially now knowing what I know, which is that like, go ahead and write whatever piece of shit book you want, because they're going to edit it. They're going to edit so much <laughs> of it. If it's, if it's like, you know, if like, I don't know, like maybe not, maybe it'll go to like a really small person, but like, I love this part where it's just like, do what you want. And I feel like I have way more confidence to do that on the other side of the first book coming out. Whereas yes. before I was much more, 
you know, in my, like in my own little narcissistic brain about like whether or not it was a real book. That question, the answer to that question, as you now know, changes from hour yeah. to hour. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Did they edit cheat day a ton? A ton. Really? Really? What, what kinds of things were they telling you to, to, to change? Today was in present tense and I had to go back. <laughs> this mm. is real. I had to go back and put the whole thing in past tense. Whoa. Oh my God. That's fucking God. Yeah. So stressful. But when I you sold it, it was, it was present. Present tense. Yeah. Oh um, what was their what reasoning? She thought that it was, she thought that um, I thought present tense worked really well because Kit's such an asshole, you know, and in past tense, you, you know, you get away with a lot less, you know, by being like, yeah, this is how I was. And then she yeah. about it. So that I, I, but it was very much about, um, I think just the way it flowed and the timeline and what she knew, you know, um, it did help make things smoother. Right. Like in that first chapter, she says like, this is what's going to happen, you know, right, right. Um, so things for that, but it was, it was a lot at, like the editing in terms of like the story, um, the story was there and it was in three parts. It was three, it was the three holidays. Um, and it took place over the period of like the, the amount of time that I could make up like a fake diet. And it was the, it was the absolute longest I could make up a fake diet. Right. Because it's clearly a parody of something like the whole 30 or something. Mm-hmm. Right. But I needed more time. <laughs> so five days. Um, but so I'm trying to think. So the, 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 I mean, the big thing was like having to put it all in past tense, which was a real nightmare. Um, there was some weird stuff. There was that Violet was a much more important character and they felt oh. that Violet, yeah, they felt that Violet needed less. Um, She's still like a huge presence, I feel like. Absolutely. And you feel that. And you, I think you feel that like, I really wanted Violet in the book, but there's like a part, there's like, like Violet sleeps with, <laughs> there's a version of this book <laughs> DM me everyone if you want to read it. There's a version of the book where like Violet sleeps with Kit and Matt both at different oh. times. Oh. It's a much more subversive, you know, it's a much Kit's even worse, I guess, you know. Mm. And now I wonder if like some of the editing had to do with packaging, but I also do think, you know, that I just had I didn't have as tight a narrative as you have. And my editor, Kara Watson, is brilliant at being like, here's how you just like, here's like the things you do and exactly what you do to make this like feel airtight in that kind of way, you know? Mm -hmm. And, and I love her and I love that. I do think that I want a messier book next time though. I'm a messier Mm -hmm. writer and, you know, and like the book that I'm writing now is like, it's a mess. So that's good. (laughs) (laughs) I feel, I, I feel like the more I write the messier I get yeah. and I love it. Yeah. So you talk sorry, about that a lot, haters. I know. I feel I like I feel it. like that's something you're like you you spend a lot of time thinking about is like actually getting more on the page as a result of that kind of approach. It, yeah, maybe it's not so much that, but more like accessing um like a like a more raw version, mm-hmm. right? Like right. A, a more immediate. Yeah. version of it because I, I I really like books that like like you say Alex that are up to something and even if like even if I I, I don't get there I I just really appreciate it I just really mm-hmm. feel like I was taken somewhere or I was I was going somewhere and um and I don't know if that has to do with the fact that like I remember when I was studying acting I remember one of my acting teachers being like you'll never watch tv or movies 
like a normal person ever again. Cause you'll always be thinking like, Oh, the actor made this choice. And why did they choose this lighting? And why did blah, 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 blah. And I feel like because I've been writing for so long and reading for so long that maybe it's sort of converging and I just want to like fuck stuff up. Mm. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but I, I, sometimes when things are really polished, they just don't get me, you know, like mm-hmm. I just, don't, I agree, you know? Yeah. And I think you can kind of like, not to be like this old broken record, but like, there is that like MFA writing, you know, mm-hmm. and, and it, and it is a very like airtight prose, airtight story. Um, it's, it's, it's one of those things where I don't even have the way to articulate it, but you know it when you see it. And it's, um, I think a lot of that does happen in editing. And I think that, I think there's a reason for that, right? I think like, as a bookseller, I know that like the market wants these like clean, tidy stories, right? It's, it's writers who don't want them, right? Um, yeah, exactly. And I, and I, I am writing for writers a lot of the time. Those are my friends, you know, yeah, man. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I think sometimes when it's Uber put together, I feel manipulated or um, distanced. But I think that might just be because, like you're saying, being a writer for so long, it's just, yeah. I don't know. Like yeah, and I think, yeah, when you've been doing it for so long, knowing like what kind of editing went into something, if, you know, if it feels like, you know, like the, like the story follows like a shape or something that you would read about in like a how to write a novel in 90 days or some <laughs> shit like that. You like, know? oh God, here's the fucking denouement. Exactly, exactly. Wow. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you're still working in the service industry, as you said, you, you said you work in a bookshop, but is that the, did you mean the bookshop in the bar or is that a different bookshop? Yeah. So I know I work, so I work at the book club bar on East third street in New York city right now. I've been working there since July. I'm a lifelong service person, mostly food service. I did do my like brief. I did two and a half years as a bookseller at books or magic. And that was just that I heard a bookstore was opening. It's impossible to get a job as a bookseller in New York without some bookselling experience. But because it was a new store, I was like, I bet I could, I bet I could at least be a contender, you know? Yeah. And they were open-minded in their hiring and that, you know, they had a bunch of people coming from other stores, but they also hired some people who had no bookselling experience. So I did that for two and a half years. The fact of the matter is, is that if you're in food service, and you've been in food service your whole working life, there's a relationship with your regular customers that you just will not have as a bookseller. I had great regular customers as a bookseller, but like no one can read the way they drink coffee and, (laughs) you know, and certainly no one can read the way they drink beer. Um, I can't, um, I'm much better at drinking beer. So (laughs) yeah. And and drinking beer kicks ass and reading is just like pretty good, you know? Mm -hmm. So (laughs) no, I'm kidding. I love both, I'm not. but no, no, I'm not either. (laughs) Like, so, but so like I, you know, so the book club bar, it's, um, it's an, it's a dive bar converted into a bookshop. So there's the bar. When you walk in, we have a full like espresso bar, which I work days, um, because I'm not young enough to work nights and it's a bar, you know, um, (laughs) So I worked at, I worked a few nights at first and I told my boss, like, I'm good enough that I could ask you to just work the mornings. Right. She was like, yeah, you're, you're great. You can stay. But so, and that's when you sell more books is in the daytimes. But so I do three days a week there right now. I was doing four, um, for the income, like a sucker <laughs> who needs to buy toothpaste and food. Um, but so I'm, I, but now I'm, I'm trying to do three so that I can write more, um, which, you know, goes well sometimes and not others, but I love, um, 
I think I might, I, I need to write about this. I never write nonfiction, um, but I, I've been thinking like, I should really write about working at a working pe- person's job. Um, Please do. That's yeah. the best Did you, did you shit. ever write about it, Alex? You're no. a working person too. No. Right? I mean, the thing though, it's like, it feels more sacred to me than like the shit that's deeply vulnerable and personal that I can say is made up, you know, like, yeah. but it, it's like, you know, I'm from a working class. I'd like, just like you work for money and like, I'll never stop. I'll probably like, if I get, if I get to a point where I can't be taking the train into the city to, to do book club bar, I'll, you know, I'll probably go to the diner, honestly, because I'm in Long Island and I could, <laughs> I could fucking kill at a Long Island diner, you guys, <laughs> like, you know, and, but I just, I thought so many times, like, what would I do if I ever like hit it big with a book or, or like I got foreign rights or one of the things that gets you with just enough money that you could, right. cause it's not like I need a lot of money. I'm another thing that I'm really lucky is that I, um, I've always kind of had like a frugal personality. I've always been lucky with being able to like get by. Um, and that, which it makes it makes me able to write. Um, so I, so I, I, whenever I think like, well, what, you know, I'm getting older, it fucking sucks to be on my feet, all those things. But I think mm. like, I think about like leaving service and like doing anything else. And I think about those like five months I did as a copywriter at an office. And I just, I think I'll be one of those lifers, you know, I think I'll have really fucked up hands and like a bad attitude and clogs, <laughs> you know, and like, because I just, some people are just, they're like, they're, they're, I think our culture degrades it so much that it's hard to imagine for a lot of people. Um, that is true. Is sh- which is a shame, <clears throat> but like, I'm just a service person. And that's like, I, I do, I need to write about it because there's this big lie that we tell ourselves that like, this is the work you do until you do something else. Um, and that's just a lie that, that society's told us because they don't want to pay anybody what they're fucking worth, you know, um, <laughs> to do it. But I, whenever, I, I mean, I'm such a ham as I'm sure you could tell. And I like, you know, when I'm behind that bar, I'm like so much less awkward. I would never, you know, I would, if, if Lori Moore or Linda Berry, like walked into the book club bar and like wanted something to drink, like I would be at complete ease serving them. And I, you know, and they'd be on my turf. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. I just, yeah. So I'll always, yeah, I'm a writer, but like, I'm the perfect person (laughs) to tell you, like, I, like, I also like, I was thinking whether I even wanted to say this because it's also true that a lot of my favorite books take place in academia, but like, I also just, I never want to write a book where I like the main character is a college professor. I just don't want to do it because so many other people can do it better. And like, I get so much energy from the fucking weirdos that will walk into a coffee shop or a bakery or, you know, a grocery store, which I also did for years. Like, I just, that's where my, you can tell in my work, like it comes from like the surprise of someone just coming in and being like, I want a fucking four quad shot latte with half and half and seven splendors you know <laughs> like that's a real person that inspired my art <laughs> mm-hmm. i can't imagine like any better place to get yeah. inspiration than that just the constant like alex said last week like <laughs> the lunatics that walk the earth the lunatics that walk the earth right, right. Yeah. Said nobody would ask for that many refills diner like exactly have, haven't met me exactly <laughs> also everyone knows that at the diner the coffee you like only have to buy one cup of coffee and you have 12 mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. that person I, I tell you that that person's on the wrong side of the class for that's what i'm saying mm-hmm. amen yeah no but 
it's interesting that you talked about, you know, feeling maybe a hesitancy to write about in a, in a direct, you know, non-fictional way about your work experience, because I have definitely felt that too, for a number of reasons, but I think the one thing that would be really fun and something that I've kind of like thought about, like as a novel project would be, I mean, you could even hear it just in your voice just now live. Like it would be amazing for you to write a bar novel or a diner novel, like, because you have that, you have that working knowledge, you know, the ins and outs, you know, the delivery schedule for whatever, you know, when, you know, when so-and-so is coming in, you know, you got the regular at whatever time, you know, when the weather's like this, this is going to happen. And that kind of thing is something I would love to do. Like, I would love to like write a fictional grocery store novel because I would so... love to read it. <laughs> I would yeah. love to read same, it. Same, same. <laughs> Especially so many... like as somebody who started as grocery stores for my first jobs and like, and it's all, it's a job. Once you learn to do it, you know, you'll always be back there. You know, like there's always right. shifts if you've got that experience. Totally. And there's, yeah. But, and, and it's so satisfying to read a really good workplace novel. hundred percent. And, and, you know, I think it's something that I say that all the time and I truly, when I want to read great workplace stuff, I don't even really get it from fiction. You know, it's like, I think about like that Studs Terkel collection that, you know, Mm -hmm. work or working. I can't remember if it's called work or working, but like that. And then, but then beyond that, it's like, it's hard for me to like, think like, God, where are my my absolute favorite, like working novels? Like as far as like contemporary stuff, so much of it is office and that I think there would be a huge audience for something like that done well you know, whether it be food service or whatever it may be. Yeah. Convenience store woman. Convenience store woman. There's Last Night at the Lobster, which is about that. that, um, Oh, yeah, yeah. That's a great one. Um, Oh, it's Stuart O'Nan, right? Yeah, Stuart O'Nan, yeah. That's a fun one. Um, But it's true that like so many of them are, it's either academia or it's the office. Um, And there's some vacation. Or it's vacation. Or it's vacation. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, more service novels more service novels and and better pay for service workers so that we can all take our time to write our novel <laughs> yeah oh my god yeah you're here yeah um my last question for you uh i you thank mikey swanberg and your acknowledgments is that I sure do is he related to joe swanberg <laughs> yeah that's oh, joe swanberg's younger brother oh, but yes. i would i would like to say um, hi, Mikey. He's definitely going to listen to this. And I would like to say um, that he's a brilliant poet in his own right. Um, an absolutely brilliant poet. Google his Death Star poem. Um, I'm serious. I, he, I We went to Madison together. Um, still a huge part of my life. Um, and yes. But, but uh, yes, also, uh, I have been on vacation to Puerto Rico with Joe's father. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> yeah but Amazing. yeah that's, that's the least interesting thing about that to me though because like uh mikey is uh his own shining star yeah awesome. well yeah i immediately googled him after i read that in your acknowledgments yeah. and discovered that he is an awesome poet um he is he has two poems forthcoming in the kenyan review which i no think is great yeah yeah check so, him out yeah everybody read, and he's got two chat books that are great so nice mikey yeah. swanberg come on the pod yeah, come on, Mike. Sure, I'm sure he would. So, and he will listen to this and be screaming. So, <laughs> I'm, sure he'll listen to this. I'm sure he'll listen to this. I wonder who else I should shout up. It's definitely listen to this. I feel like I have a list of people. Yes. Um, but yeah, but yeah, I am. Um, yeah. So, if you ever wondered why I'm Melanie Linsky, follows me on Twitter. It's not because I'm cool. <laughs> 
I fucking love her. I do too. I do too. She is so great. Jason Ritter, I love him. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this was a delight as I knew it would be. Yeah, you guys are so much fun. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, it was a blast. Thank you. This was like, this was like, not to be like corny and say something so corny, but like, this was like a bucket list writer thing for me. Yeah, yeah. That's an honor. No, thank you. you I was like really excited. I was like, I fucking made it. I'm on a fucking, I'm on like the real, (laughs) I'm on like the writer's. Like the writers podcast where they talk about craft. Which Hell is, yeah, know. that's what we so. talk about. No, yeah. I, I, I had been wanting to read your book, wanting to read your book, and then when your publicist reached out, I was like, oh my god, yeah. <laughs> yes. We actually, yeah. yeah, we actually both had that reaction. We were like, oh yeah, we would keep seeing this yes. one. Yeah. yeah. Well, they and they were like, they were like, what things do you want to do? And I was like, this. And they were like, okay. And then like, you guys said yes right away. And they were like, anything else? And I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> and Alex and I don't say yes a lot. Okay. Just so you know. Yeah. So, just so thank you. you. This was, this was so great. <laughs> yeah, and I love so Cheat Day. It is you. not a romantic comedy. It, it is, is really funny. And there's some it's a great hot book. sex in it. Pick it up. Come on. Yeah. Three. Yeah. It, it, yeah. It's hotter than you're going to expect based yeah, on that man. cover. Mm-hmm, get mm-hmm. in there people yep we'll see it's in paperback now and the cover's different too so oh that's right oh i haven't yes. even seen yeah. that nice. happy paperback yeah. yes thanks i like the paperback cover because it kind of looks like nonfiction. so i hope somebody buys it because people buy that you know <laughs> yeah hell yeah <laughs> like oh another diet yay yeah people will be like oh somebody somebody struggle back <laughs> so I'm, I'm looking forward to reading those people's infuriated goodreads reviews oh my god <laughs> uh. love cheat day i really loved it yeah it's a really really good read i read it in a day a cheat day oh you cheat you cheat date it cheated cheated the fuck out of work (laughs) (laughs) we really tried to make that happen uh it kind of did it Um, doesn't work it's fine (sighs) and she was great and so everyone get that paperback yo um, I just finished reading I Will Die in a Foreign Land by Kalani Pickhart. It's a $2 radio book and it's all about- Why does that sound so familiar? I'm sure you've seen it be posted about. Uh, yeah. It's It's got the, there's like a mother sheep bleeding on the, bleeding B-L-E-A-T-I-N-G. B-L-E-A-T-I-N-G. Oh, okay. okay. But there is a baby sheep bleeding, B-L-E-E-D-I-N-G. Um, but it's about Ukraine. It's about the protests in in Ukraine that led to the war. And um, yeah, that's know, an intense cover. I know. And and like I kind of didn't notice it till like <laughs> I was almost done with the book. Jesus I was like, oh, Christ. Um, it's incredible. I read it very fast. I think I read it in two days. Wow. Um, and <clears throat> it's like it's kind of set up like uh, like an epic. There's like a singing chorus throughout it there's um like alternating perspectives there's like a a tape they find that then is transcribed as part of the book and um like i only know you know probably what everyone knows like all us dummies know about ukraine and and like what's going on over there and um this like really gets into it and kind of goes into the history um it's beautiful it's absolutely beautiful it's devastating and it ends like kind of on a hopeful note so yeah so i that is my my big book recommendation 
Mm-hmm. Um, but I also wanted to read the first paragraph of the book I, I started after oh, that. Oh, do it. Yeah. And it's called The Portrait of a Mirror um, by A. Nata- Natasha Joukowsky. Oh, yeah. It's out on Overlook. Um, Julia Fine's been tweeting about it and I had it and I I was like, oh, yeah, I've been meaning to read that. So I'm going to, I started it today, but listen to this first paragraph. There is no greater compliment in this world than being the uncooperative catalyst of another person's misery, if not all out self-destruction. The critical word here is uncooperative. It is easy, lazy, and dishonorable to deliberately distress another human being, but to do so unintentionally or better yet unwillingly for one's mere presence to cause another pain, not by any act of violence, but by the force of the bottomless pool that is unrequited love, that pool that both draws and prevents the other from moving closer to be loved and not to love back. This is the definition of power. (laughs) I am so excited to keep reading that. (laughs) Nice. Yeah. So another recommendation for all y'all out there. All y'all. And you're on vacation. I'm on a little nine day off uh, of work stretch. So is my wife. Tomorrow's her birthday. My wife. My wife. Um, Yeah. It's the longest we've been off together since before the pandemic. So this is awesome. It's awesome to just hang out with the girls and do whatever. Yeah. It feels weird. Like usually on Sundays, I, <clears throat> on Sundays I start at five and I'm like feeling weird that I don't have to wake up and go to work. It's like, hell yeah. This is life, baby. This is life, baby. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm excited. How many Pelotons are you going to do? Depends how bad the weather is. I did run today. I've been running. This is like, this, this is like a very Alex thing. Like you get the Peloton and then I'm like, no, it's January, February in Chicago. I'm going to start running for the first time <laughs> since I was 17. That's like, that's like a very quick description of who I am. So I have are you running, running for distance or for time or like, what are you doing when you go out there? I'm doing, I'm doing what I can. So yeah. I'm running like, you know two miles a mile three miles nothing crazy that's yeah. like that's what i can do so awesome we used to run and then uh we realized how much it sucks <laughs> ben just said exactly the same thing as i said <laughs> oh i love it see i love it i just didn't do it for i like i ran i ran track in high school i i love to run but i you ran track in high school honey No, like we used to run, like Ben, Ben's run a couple marathons. I ran a marathon. Like we used to do longer distance races Jesus all the time. Christ. Yeah. Yeah. I can like never do that. Half marathons and, uh, fuck no, like 15 no, 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 K's no. and 10 K's. No, and stuff. no, 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 no. So That's we used to like do it. Um, and I think, I think, and then we moved here. So this was, you know, for me, this was years and years ago. Um, and like Ben, I love how casually you said we did marathons. Yeah. Oh, whatever. I mean, ben ran a couple of marathons. I, I ran. You know, I only ran one. I only ran one marathon. Only one is a lot. <laughs> yeah. At least I did that. Right. Um, it's amazing. Lots of halves. Yeah. I ran lots of half marathons. Um, no, I'm not wired like that, but it was nice. It was like a great way to travel, you know, like, it was like what, a was thing. The, what was the coolest one you guys ran? My favorite race that we ever ran. I, I, th- I can think of two. One was the gate river run in Jacksonville, which was a 15 K. So it's like, what is that? Like 9.3 miles or something. And like the eighth mile, you run up a bridge. So it's uphill for a mile, but then the final mile you run down. And so it's like, and it's also like a gorgeous course. It's by the water that, you know, it's just like beautiful. 
Um, and then the other one that I can remember that I really love was the, the run hit wonder cool. where it was like a 10 K and like every mile they had bands playing. One of them was fountains of Wayne. Is that true? What? And who else? Chingy. <laughs> oh my God. Chingy. Yeah. So like every mile there would be like some amazing musical act, um, downtown Chicago, the Donna's. And it was like at nice. night. So that sounds awesome. It was, yeah, it was really fun. Really like great experience. They don't do it anymore, but anyway, anyway, enjoy. Sure. Yep. You too. Talk next week. All right. Awesome. See you. Happy, happy birthday to Brit. Thank you. I'm a writer, but is recorded by Alex Hickley and me, Lindsay Hunter in our respective basements. Editing by Lindsay Hunter. Music by Max Loop. Yeah, yeah.